morning, Grace Lutheran Church. Great to be with you this morning. My name is Lee Marion. I am the tech director here at Grace, uh, at least for a couple more months. Um, most of you know this already. My wife and I are moving to Ukraine to be full-time missionaries there. Um, and we, we moved to Ukraine in June. We moved uh, out of our home in April for some trains and stuff. So right after Easter is kind of when we'll be doing all that stuff. So I got about a month and a half uh, left with you guys. But uh, before we do all that, we get the privilege of preaching a couple more times, which I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to do. Uh, this morning, we're going to be entering into the book of Ruth. Uh, if you haven't been with us this year, we've been going through kind of a year-long look uh, at the Bible through what's called the story, and the story is just the narrative version of the Bible. Um, it basically takes the numbers out, takes out some of the um, lists and things like that, um, but keeps the, the story uh, section, and we're just going to be going through it through the year of 2017. Uh, this week, we're in chapter 9, and chapter 9 has the four chapters of Ruth, um, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And for me, it's been a real treat kind of digging into those four chapters uh, of the book because, one, this, this story is, is really, really similar to kind of a, dr- a dramatic novel uh, that you would kind of read today because there's, there's tragedy, there's controversy, there's a touch of romance, and it all kind of culminates in this beautiful storybook ending. But I think this morning, if we dig a little bit deeper while also taking a step back, we'll see that this is not just a simple fairy tale. There are implications from the book of Ruth that actually affect the entire course of history. So for context, uh, Ruth is sandwiched between the book of Judges and the book of 1 Samuel. Last week, Pastor John preached on uh, the book of Judges and talked about the crazy cycle uh, that was going on where, where there was the Israel would sin, there would be oppression, uh, they would have... And, they would repent and they would have peace for, for a period of time and then the cycle would start all over again. And that's actually uh, where in that, in that cycle is where this, this story of Ruth takes place. And so Ruth is really kind of a transitional book. It brings us out of that book of Judges, out of the time when the judges were the rulers in Israel and it kind of prepares us for the, the time period when the kings would reign in Israel beginning um, in 1 Samuel. What I think is especially interesting about uh, this book, the book of Ruth, this is the first book of the Bible where God is not explicitly, he doesn't explicitly have a primary role in moving the story forward. We've been through Genesis all the way through Judges, and God has been, in one way or another, he's been engaging um, with, he's been engaging with his people, engaging with Israel, he's making laws, he's doing something. In this book, this is the first time where God is not a primary character. And I think that this is intentional because I believe that while we've seen the explicit ways that God is leading his people, I believe in Ruth, we really kind of get to see the implicit ways or kind of the the behind the scenes ways that God moves to bring redemption for his people. And that's that's really what I want to look at today, the way that, that God weaves redemption through Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz in the book of Ruth. I believe this morning we're going to see that in three ways. I believe we'll see that in Ruth's conviction when she decides to stay with Naomi. I believe we're going to see that in kind of a a small coincidence, quote unquote, that we'll see in in the middle of the book. And I believe we'll also see that in the life of Boaz in his goodness and kindness through the obedience of a couple of God's laws that he had established before the story took place. So we're going to be diving in. We're going to kind of go through the whole book, but we'll start out by reading uh, from chapter one. That's on page 182 
in your pew Bible. We're going to be reading, starting off with uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. In the days when the judges ruled, again, during the time period of the book of Judges, there was a famine in the land of Israel. So a man went up from Bethlehem, a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Mahalon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites. See, I told you, just like a modern day novel with all these great names. They were from Bethlehem, the tribe of Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. And before we move on, I just want to clarify that these Moabites, um, back, back when Israel was coming out of Egypt, the people of Moab didn't help them at all. And so God kind of placed a curse on them and said, they suggested that the Israelites didn't intermingle with them, but there wasn't a direct command to not marry. So them marrying Moabite women wasn't, wasn't disobeying God's command, but it still would have been kind of seen as controversial for the people of Israel. So just kind of keep that in mind as, as we go through the story today. So after the two sons died, uh, Naomi was left without her, excuse me, after they had lived there for 10 years, both Mahalon and Kilion died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who would become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they were grown up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And those last five words really set up this whole story of Ruth, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to Naomi. And really, this is a picture of Ruth saying, no, I'm not going to go back and, and live with my parents. I'm not going to, I'm going to let go. I'm going to release this opportunity to start over back in Moab, and I'm going to come and sit underneath you. I'm essentially, she's taking her Moabite uh, identity and kind of releasing that and taking on an Israelite identity. She wants to sit under Naomi. And this is just a really beautiful picture of, of Ruth's conviction and Ruth's loyalty to her mother-in-law. And we really can't fault Orpah for, for going back and, and going back to live with her parents and trying to hit the reset button and starting a new life. I mean, she was just obeying what, what Naomi requested her to do. But Ruth clung to Naomi. I think that's just a beautiful picture. Ruth, Ruth goes on to say, where you go, I will go. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. This is the idea of taking, putting off her own identity and taking on this identity of an Israelite or an identity of a descendant of Naomi. It's a really beautiful picture. 
Amidst this tragedy that had befallen Naomi, her husband's died, both of her sons have died, God, through Ruth, begins to weave redemption, or weave the possibility of redemption for her family. Naomi had to begin the process by deciding to go back to Israel. To, to, but it's because had she done that, she wouldn't have had a possibility. But then even if she had gone to, back to Israel without Ruth, there really wasn't, as she said, there really wasn't an opportunity for her to kind of start a new life or a new family. And so the fact that Ruth is coming with her, it gives a glimmer of hope. If Ruth had followed Orpah back to her parents, she could have probably been able to hit the reset button just like Orpah, have a, get a new husband, start a new life, have a new family, and have, have a good life. But that would have left Naomi without any hope. So, so Ruth decides to go with her, to go with her mother-in-law, and she takes on this unselfish and really an, she, she takes on an uncertain approach. There's no guarantee that there's going to be, uh, there's going to be another man for her, another husband her, for her back in Israel, but she, she assumes that risk because she values Naomi and she wants to be there for her. It's through this unselfish act of convic- conviction that, Naomi, that Ruth has that God begins to weave redemption for Naomi through Ruth. And so God begins this process of redemption, weaving redemption through Ruth's conviction here. And then in chapter two, we get a little, a little coincidence that happens and that, uh, that kind of furthers, furthers the opportunity of redemption. So at the beginning of chapter two, uh, Naomi and Ruth are back in Bethlehem. Uh, there's, there, there, there's a harv- it's harvest time. The barley harvest is just beginning. And God had established a law way back in Leviticus 19 that, that told field owners to not harvest the corners of their field. And they also, there was an additional law that, he, they, that God told field owners to, when you're harvesting, when you're going through, if you drop some, some of your grain or if, if you miss some of it, don't go back to pick it up. Leave that for the, for the people that can't provide for themselves. So really, God kind of established way back in Leviticus this, this welfare system that, that the poor could live on. They, the people that couldn't provide for themselves. And so Ruth, when they're back in Bethlehem, they're hungry. They have no food. She knows this is part of the, the law that God has established. So she goes to Naomi and says, hey, can I go? Let me go glean from the fields. Let me go find the leftovers so that we can have a little bit of bread. This might have been kind of seen as a little bit shameful. Um, people that, that were working might have looked at people that were, that were gleaning as maybe kind of like we would look at a beggar or that people would, would look down upon people that aren't working for, for what they have. Um, and, but Ruth doesn't let that stop her. Uh, let's read chapter two, the first three verses, starting, starting verse one. It says, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in the field belonging to Boaz, Naomi's kinsman redeemer, who was from the clan of Elimelech. And so we see in in those verses that Ruth goes to glean, and she happens, and another translation says that she happened to come across the portion of field owned by Boaz. Again, I believe that we have free will, but I also don't believe in coincidences, and I realize there's some tension there, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, I really believe that God, again, is weaving this possibility for Ruth 
to bring redemption to Naomi. And what a, what a kinsman redeemer was. Again, God had established another law for, for widows. If, some, if, if a woman's husband were to die, the next closest relative was supposed to take that widow in and really become a, like a new husband. Will provide, not just provide food, provide for needs, but also to, to be able to keep the family line going. And so uh, that's who Boaz, Boaz is the next closest relative to Naomi, and so Boaz is the one that can take uh, Naomi and take Ruth in to be their kinsman redeemer. I believe the NIV, um, the NIV says, I forget, we'll look at it later. Um, the NIV uses a different word for, for kinsman redeemer, but Boaz was that person that would be that redeemer for Ruth for Naomi. And so I just love that, that picture, that, that Ruth just happened to come across the one person, the one person's field that could possibly bring redemption. Again, I, I don't believe it's a coincidence. I believe God is weaving this opportunity for, for Ruth, for Naomi, for their, for their lineage to continue. And in the grand scheme of the nation of Israel, that what we looked at last week in the, in the book of Judges where there's this crazy cycle happening and Israel as a nation is, is keeps, keeps tripping up, keeps coming back to God, keeps tripping up, keeps coming back to God. We have the story of these two widows and in the, in the big picture, this seems very insignificant. It seems like the story of these two women wouldn't really matter in the grand scope of things. But man, I believe here in Ruth, God, we get to see how wonderful and awesome our God is and how he works in the tiniest of details and the smallest or the seemingly smallest situations. And that's because our God loves us and he desires goodness for our lives. So in chapter one, we see God begin to work to weave redemption for Naomi through Ruth and Ruth's conviction to stay with her. And then in chapter two, we see God work in the smallest of ways. He works in the smallest of ways to again further increase that chance for redemption, to further weave this beautiful tapestry. So Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, ends up noticing that Ruth is gleaning from his field, and he knows who she is. He knows from word of mouth that this is Ruth, that she left her own country to come with Naomi back, uh, back to Bethlehem. And so he knows how unselfish and kind Ruth has been to her mother-in-law. And so Boaz goes to Ruth and tells her to not just not to go with the mad rush and go to go glean amidst the craziness because that could be dangerous. Um, Boaz says, "Go with my maids and go out. You'll be safe. You'll be with a group of people." But furthermore, he also tells his harvesters to intentionally, when they're harvesting, to intentionally drop some of the harvest so that Ruth could have plenty of food instead of having to to, to gather from the scraps. He intentionally tells them to drop some of the good, the good grain so that Ruth would have plenty, not just for her, but also for Naomi. So, so Boaz isn't just following the letter of the law here. He isn't just following what God said at the command and, and, and let, the, let, let the poor come and, and glean from your field. He's going above and beyond. He's really kind of tapping into the heart behind the law that God established. He's tapping into this, this whole, the whole purpose of the law, and he's going above and beyond the letter. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about what Boaz's action here. It's, it, he gives much. He gives this overflowing portion. It's really, it's a be- again, a, another unselfish picture, just like we, we get from Ruth. There's pure kindness. There's pure goodness in his actions. 
And so things are beginning to look up for Naomi and for Ruth. They, they have food now. They're, they don't have to go hungry. They have somebody that will provide food for them. But God doesn't just stop at providing for this basic need. In chapter three, he begins to weave together redemption in an even deeper way. He begins to weave together redemption for Naomi's lineage through Ruth. In chapter three, Naomi goes to Ruth and says, look, Boaz is our kinsman redeemer. He is, he is, he is the person that can possibly redeem us out of this situation. He can take you fr from being a widow and make you his wife. He can marry you and you can have a family with him. And so Naomi tells Ruth to take off her, her widow's clothes, her, her clothes of mourning, and to put on her best clothes so that she can visit Boaz at night after he's finished eating and drinking, probably when he's in the best mood. I don't know about you, that's, I'm in a pretty good mood after having a nice meal. After Boaz has had a nice meal, Naomi tells Ruth to go to him and wait till he falls asleep, then to go uncover his feet and lie down and wait for his response. And now that, that, that term, uncover his feet, that's, a, that's kind of a weird image. Um, there's some debate as to what this actually means, but what I ultimately believe is that this is, based on verse nine of chapter three, that this uncovering of his feet is representative of Ruth saying, I need redemption, and acknowledging that Boaz can redeem her. Boaz, he, she wants Boaz to kind of take his cloak and spread it out over her, to kind of take her in under his wing. And so let's look at how this unfolds in chapter three, starting in verse six. The text says, so Ruth went to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. This kindness that you're showing now of being, able, being willing to marry me to continue Naomi's lineage is kinder than when you decided to stay with Naomi in the beginning. This kindness you have is greater than what you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of great character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer, I am a kinsman redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So there's a little pl plot twist there. We think that Boaz is, is the closest relative, but it turns out Boaz knows that there's another man that is a closer relative, and so the, the right of being the kinsman redeemer is his first. And so Boaz wants to, again, he wants to follow the law. He wants to do it the right way. And so uh, he says he's gonna go talk to this man in the morning. So Ruth's risk really pays off here. Boaz, Boaz says either I will redeem you, either he will redeem you or I will redeem you, but in one way or another, you will be redeemed. And by extension, therefore, Naomi will be redeemed. So the next day, he goes out. He finds this closer relative. He gathers some of the elders of the town, and he has a little meeting. This meeting starts uh, in chapter 4, verse 3. It says, Then he said to the other guy, the other guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to her relative Elimelech. 
I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, the other man said. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it for yourself. I cannot do it. So again, Boaz agrees to redeem Naomi. And the other guy initially thought he was going to do it, but when, when Ruth came into the picture, he quickly backed out. But that same, that same consequence that would have befallen the other kinsman redeemer, the fact that he was going to have to share his inheritance with Ruth and any offspring they had, Boaz takes that, takes that on. And that's a sacrifice. Whatever Boaz has, he's now giving a, part of, a portion of his inheritance to Ruth and to any offspring. There's a sacrifice there. But again, this is another picture of Boaz being willing to take on through his goodness and kindness and obedience, above and beyond obedience to God's laws. He's willing to take that on, that sacrifice, in order to redeem Ruth, in order to redeem Naomi. And again, it's, just, it's another beautiful picture. But even more controversially, Ruth is a Moabite. Remember that. Ruth is, this has already been a controversial relationship that Ruth was a Moabite that came in, back to Israel with her. So there's some tension there, but Boaz says, I'm not worried about that. I'm going to follow the law that God, God established. I'm going to, and he goes above and beyond that, that call. And so through his kindness, through his goodness, he is willing to inherit those consequences in order to bring redemption to Ruth and Naomi. And so in the book of Ruth this morning, we've seen God weave redemption for Naomi through Ruth's just her conviction and, and just her goodness and her loyalty to Naomi. We've seen God work and weave redemption in just the smallest of ways, in the smallest of details. And then we see God weaving redemption for Ruth and Naomi through Boaz's kindness and goodness and above and beyond obedience to the law that God had already established. And so what's the result of this redemption? We see the result in verse starting in verse 13 of chapter four. It says, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, who was the father of King David. So throughout the book of Ruth, we've seen how God is weaving his story of redemption amidst this, this world of tragedy that Naomi and Ruth were enduring. Naomi had, had lost seemingly everything. And her original plan was just to, to let it go and, and to let Ruth and Orpah go back. And really, it seems like she just wanted to go back to Bethlehem to die. But man, God had a much greater plan in store for her and for her legacy. Naomi would become the great, great grandmother of King David. 
God used her seemingly hopeless situation to bring forth not just the genealogy of King David, did not just redeem Naomi's family, but we know that David's bloodline runs all the way to Jesus. And so Naomi, by way of Ruth and Boaz, is an ancestor of Jesus Christ. So this story doesn't just have implications for Naomi and her family. It has implications for all of history as we know it. We see, we, if you look in Matthew at the genealogy of Jesus, you see Ruth's name next to Boaz. It's, it's awesome. It's, and it's so cool because it, it points back to this beautiful story of how God weaved, this, weaved redemption in this small in this small picture, this, small, this one little family in all of Israel, but God weaved redemption for them, and that redemption ended up changing the entire world. That's the beauty of our God, church, that no matter how big or how small, he's always weaving his story of redemption, even when it may not seem like it, it may not seem like it in our own lives, it may not seem like it in the world around us, he's always weaving his story of redemption. And I firmly believe that, that this still applies today. I believe that God is, is still always redeeming redemption in the world. And it may not seem like it at times. It may not seem like it in our own lives. It may not seem like it, like it when we watch the news, when we look out and we see the world that we live in. But church, the story of Ruth tells us our God is a good God. He doesn't desire tragedy. He does not desire disorder. He does not desire chaos. He desires goodness for his kids. But does that mean that life will be easy or that life will be without pain or heartache? No, I mean, (laughs) the book of Ruth also tells us that. We see Naomi and Ruth experience great loss and no doubt great pain and heartache from that loss. Years of it, in fact. Naomi's husband was dead for 10 years before her sons passed away. So she's just experiencing, she's suffering for years. And then for, for Boaz, Boaz is sacrificing from what he has from his inheritance and he's giving of his possessions. He's sacrificing for the good of Naomi and Ruth. Again, there's, there's sacrifice, there's suffering that's going on amidst the goodness. To bring the goodness, there's, there's things that happen that may not seem good or may not seem, uh, seem right in the moment. But when we can step back and look at the bigger picture, that's when we see God weaving his redemption. In the end, God weaved that loss, that pain, that sacrifice into redemption, not just for Naomi, not just for Israel through David, but then for the whole world through Jesus Christ. The, this book of Ruth is a testimony that God is not only, rede- not only weaving redemption in our lives or in the lives of some in the lives of the whole world, even in the seemingly smallest of ways. And for us this morning, I believe that there are two ways that Ruth encourages us to engage this in our own lives. On one hand, I think it encourages those of us that are in a good place in life, those of us that are experiencing peace as we know it right now. Man, I believe the book of Ruth encourages us to look back on our past and to see the ways that God has weaved redemption for us. Because I think it's so easy for us when we're in a good time, we're experiencing peace, to take our eyes off of God and to believe that, okay, things are good, I'm, I'm doing well, and to kind of just stop thinking about God. I mean, we saw this last week in the book of Judges. 
Time and time again, things were good. Israel would stop thinking about God, would start living for the world, and then, boom, they completely go off track. I mean, I believe that we do the same thing, and John, Pastor John talked about that last week. But I think if we can take in consideration the book of Ruth, if we're in a good place, if we can look back and ask Jesus to point out the ways, the instances, the moments he was weaving redemption for us, I believe that it will not only help us keep our eyes fixed on God, but it will also bring hope to those of us that, that may feel the opposite. It may bring hope to those that, that feel hopeless at the moment. And for, the, for those of us that do feel hopeless, I believe, on the other hand, that Ruth encourages us to hold fast to hope that God will somehow weave redemption in our circumstances. It may be impossible to see in the moment, The road ahead may be difficult. There may be heartache, there may be pain, there may be suffering. But I hope the book of Ruth encourages us to hold on to hope that there is goodness and redemption that can come, that will come through the struggle. So in response this morning, I'd like to ask you to do one of two things. I'd like, if you're in a place of peace, if you're in a good place, I would encourage you to ask Jesus this morning to help you look back over your life maybe the past month, the past year, whatever it is, ask him to show you the ways he weaves redemption in your life to get to where the peaceful place you are, to, you are at today. I would encourage you to write that down or to find a way to remember it, put it in your phone or something because it can be a help not only to others but if you end up entering into a season of tra- tragedy or you end up entering into a season of suffering, you can hold on to your own story of redemption, the way that God has weaved redemption in your own life, that can be a stake in the ground for you as it can be for others. But if you're already in that place of tragedy right now, whether you feel like there might be a little glimmer of hope or whether you feel like everything looks hopeless, I would encourage you, on the other hand, to ask Jesus to show you, to give you a picture of where he is amidst your suffering. Ask Jesus how he has been, how he is, and how he will weave redemption in your life. But I recognize that if you're in a state of suffering, sometimes it's, it's hard to even breathe. And sometimes an event from the past, can, we can still hold on to it and, and be feeling pain from it years down the road. And that's okay it's okay if it was in the past, it's okay if it's now to, to, ask, to, 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 to ask Jesus why is this happening. But amidst that question of why, I would encourage you to ask Jesus to show you, to give you a picture of where he is in that current moment or in that past situation. Ask him where he is. I believe that engaging painful things, though it's, it's, it's never easy and it's even looking back in the past is not easy, an easy thing to do. I believe it's the first step on the road to healing. Because Naomi, Naomi could have chosen just to stay in Moab. She could have just chosen to stay put, to let go, to release her, her daughters-in-law back, and just, just to decide to die. But she decided to take that first step, that first step to, to go back to Bethlehem. It's, there's no doubt that she, she knew that this would be painful. There's no doubt that she knew when she returned home that there would be people that, that remembered her, that remembered that she left with a husband and two sons and is coming back now with just a daughter-in-law. 
And people might talk, people might gossip, but Naomi said, none of that matters. She realized that the only glimmer of hope she had for any sort of, inde- any sort of redemption was to engage the pain, engage the suffering, engage the heartache, and go back to her native land. And even when she came back, there was pain, there was poverty, there was lament. But through her tragedy, God weaved redemption. Not just for her, and not just for Israel, for the whole world. We celebrate this table, we celebrate the cross through this story in Ruth. And it all started with Naomi taking that first step of engaging her heartache, going back to Bethlehem. So church, may we follow in Naomi's footsteps. May we make that first step, take that first step, inch forward. And may God beautifully weave redemption in us. May he beautifully weave redemption through us. And may that redemption impact not only us, but the world around us. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we give you thanks for this story in Ruth. We give you thanks for your great providence. Holy Spirit, we ask you to continue the work you're doing in our hearts. We ask you to continue the work you're doing here at Grace. May it be at Grace Lutheran Church as it is in heaven. Spirit, I ask that you would For those of us that are in a a season of peace, a season of of goodness, Lord, help us to see the ways Jesus weaved redemption for us. But for those of us that are living in brokenness, Jesus, I just ask that you would show us where you are. Give us a picture. Give us that stake in the ground that we can hold on to that hope that you have been, that you are, and that you will weave redemption in us. Father, your will be done here. Holy Spirit, help us, empower us to be able to hold on to that hope of redemption. Jesus, thank you for providing the opportunity for redemption through your cross, through your resurrection. Come, Lord Jesus, come. In your name, amen.